if you could spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. Greetings from wonderful Milano and welcome back to another episode of Are We On Air? This week we have one of the finest pair of ears on the show and they belong to the DJ, producer, music director and BBC Radio One host Benjamin Benstead, aka Benji B. It's quite amusing that Benji and I actually never met in person as we have a zillion friends in common and pretty much do the same thing for a living. And boy, was I looking forward to finally get to spend some time with Benji and to just exchange ideas and experiences and to learn more about his process when it comes to music curation. From his legendary London club night deviation to being the music director for Virgil Abloh at Louis Vuitton and to his incredible BBC Radio One show, Benji covers it all and is one of the finest guys and ears around. We talked about his life's soundtrack, of course, but also about the zeitgeist and history of nightlife, the amount of time he spent searching and going through music, and his work process when creating soundtrack for Louis V. And, drumroll please, we have an Are On Air premiere as part of Benji's 10-year anniversary of his infamous club night, Deviation, and the release of the incredible compilation called Deviation Classics that he just released, we will give away one signed compilation. In CD form, as vinyl, of course, is already sold out. If you want to participate, just share your story. What's the best song title that would describe your life? Leave a comment, do a story, tag your friends, tag us, whatever you want to do. We just want to hear your story. And as always, you can find us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple, at Air, and of course on arvionair.com. Now, let's get to it, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome to Air, Benji B. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on the show, finally. Yeah. And it's funny that we actually never met in a physical form, so to say. We have so many mutual friends and so many touch points and crossovers. Yeah, that's right. That is weird. The more I think about it, that is weird with all the people that you mentioned to me. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. So let's start with your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist. Well, I mean, the, the names that you just mentioned, obviously, I'm in very good company. I've got so much respect for the people that you just mentioned. And I'm sure that I haven't heard what their answers would be to something like this. But I'm sure that we share a similar problem answering this question uh, based <laughs> on what you just described, which is that who knows you know i think if you're a music person and someone whose life has been sort of dedicated or devoted to music on some level then it's often hard to kind of really think about one point because music has been omnipresent it's been there since the very beginning since zero you know and so i'm very fortunate that music was in my life from the very beginning and i'd say that a good answer in a way would be to say my dad's record collection which i guess is not an original answer but an, an honest one you know 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of the the first place that you really form your earliest musical memories. And I was lucky to grow up around music because um, both he and my mum had great taste in music. So I guess that's that's really the formative stuff. I mean, in terms of um, memories that shape you as an artist, I would I would say the sort of honest answer is that all musical experiences are shaping you as an artist from the very beginning whether you're mm. buying a mm. single by you know the most pop hit if you're buying a single by madonna or david bowie whatever in the top 10 but also if you're listening to weather report or charlie parker all of those things are forming you you know so mm. i guess when you're a kid you don't really separate things into genre everything is forming you but i feel like maybe your question is leading in in the direction of like what was the lightning bolt to your head that kind of changed the course of your ship or that kind of like really is a memorable moment and for me that that has to be hip-hop really um because of that's the exact age that i am um and for me it was public enemy um mostly because of the way in which their production mashed everything together that i was interested in at the time here come the drums And then in the UK, you know, obviously that was kind of an import from New York, but from the UK, I would say it was sort of like the early, what people would call acid house, I guess, but like dance music is a broader term Mm. for it, you know, that we were hearing on pirate radio at the time. And a combination of those two things sort of formed my very young, early teens musical DNA, I suppose. What year would that be? And do you remember like a particular record? I guess it would be like 87, 88, something like that. Because basically the the time that that I got um that I first heard Public Enemy's first album was the exact same time that all of those dance records were starting to pop up on pirate stations. And you know, like now we could now we can look back at it, but I was a kid, right? I was probably nine or ten. Are we talking about Judge Jules and Kiss FM and, and those? No, I wasn't kissed by then. It was like pirates, you know, yeah. in, in the UK. So so you would sometimes when I was that age I didn't even know what station I was listening to obviously you did if you were listening to like mm. Radio 1 or Capital or Kiss or whatever but like some stations you wouldn't remember the name of you just kind of you turn it on and it would be there and you know as you know it's so well documented that the way in which the UK embraced you know US dance music from Chicago and Detroit especially places like the Hacienda in the north of England mm. and certain clubs in London and obviously I was at least seven or eight years off maybe more nine years off being old enough to go to these clubs so <laughs> you're not even hearing the music in in context of knowing that it's for a nightclub you're just listening to it as music you know and a lot of that music really fascinated me at that time and so yeah, I, I guess that was the cocktail. That th- they're two elements, mm. two important elements mm. of the cocktail in the answer to your question. But it's definitely not a cop out answer. I'm not dodging the question, but it's hard to say like one artist or one memory. Do you know what I mean? It's like especially if you're surrounded by music constantly, it's hard to define or say there's one yeah, one track or one. But it's like an indicator, obviously. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting to recognise about that is that you know whoever you ask that question to we're all the unique thumbprint of our age and our where we're born and where we grow up 
and what those immediate influences are. And someone born two months apart or two years apart, even from the same neighborhood, might have a different musical Absolutely. journey. So it's like we're all we're all unique thumbprints of the influences um, and musical memories that we absorb. And that's what I find so interesting about how unique music is, you know, is because what comes out from those influences is unique to everyone. Mm. Cliched as it might sound, that's the that's the thing that makes music magic, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you um, have a record, like an Asset House vinyl that you cherish? You know, when I first started listening to music like that, I wasn't buying records yet. I was getting no, cassettes. but in, in in hindsight, or even actually, yeah, yeah, the tapes. I mean, you like the tape. You know, all of those tapes were tapes. You would cherish them. Mm. You know, it's, it, you would basically listen to them so much that they'd wear out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd literally they'd literally wear out. Like you know, from rewinding and fast forwarding. Do you still that. have those tapes? But anyway, I I don't think so. <laughs> But a lot of those tapes were recorded by me off mm, the radio. Mm. You know, sometimes you could buy some in like Camden Market and it would be <laughs> like Acid House or, you know, <laughs> Funk and Soul Classics. It's just all bootlegs, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter where the influences are coming from. You know, I'm grateful to all of those tapes and, you know, and early CDs. But I think, you know, I started buying records as a DJ probably around 13, 14. Mm. You know, I was buying seven inch singles before that as a music fan, you know. Um, but I would say it would probably be stuff like Mr. Fingers, stuff like Mysteries of Love or Distant Planet or tunes like that that just sounded sci-fi to me. say that even then that was my taste in that side of music and I think that you know obviously our tastes are kind of evolving and changing all the time but within that music I was always drawn to that sort of Larry Heard sound and of course at the time I didn't know that it was Larry Heard I just found that out later when I started buying 12 inches and stuff but I think tunes like um tunes like the ones I just mentioned probably you know and and on the harder side like things like washing machine and those kind of tunes were always like what is this but yeah probably mysteries of love or distant planet or anything by mr fingers or obviously um can you feel it was 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 a sort of tune that you'd hear a lot in england um on radio and stuff like that i can so, hear it now in my head yeah <laughs> you just mentioned the title yeah. i can hear the vocals <laughs> I think I think some of those tunes for sure, and then you know, um, Public Enemy. I mean, you could literally pick anything, you know. It wasn't just them, it was just rap in general. Like anyone in London at that point it wanted to sort of was so influenced by New York 
especially for when you went down to central London, you know, you could see the influence at that time. Um, but anyway, I think London and New York have always had that sort of connection. Yeah. Well, certainly that connection. Yeah. It was an exchange, really, uh, exchange of ideas and energies. I know this is a tricky question, and as we as we just mentioned, it's it's impossible to define or because we evolve with the sound around us and with us. Um, but how would you describe yourself with three songs or three records? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, is this this is giving me a taste of my own medicine, right? Because this is the feature <laughs> from my radio show. You're turning the camera back on me. You're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, and yeah, because it's funny that's my what Tina said to me for as years well. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. On his podcast, yeah. I, I did a. I, I actually really enjoyed Tiga's podcast. I love, um, I love. For anyone listening to this, you got to check out Tiga's. I podcast. love Last, Last Party, Party on Earth. Earth. It's yes. definitely a good. It's a good one. Yeah, I, I do a weekly. I've done a weekly radio show now for nearly 20 well 18 years mm. and you know the last few years or maybe even more five years we've we've had a weekly feature called in three records where we try to get to know an artist in three records and you know what i've never done it myself and no one's ever asked me so I've <laughs> the only... world premiere <laughs> there you go i love it <laughs> you you no you putting me on the spot is making me realize how hard this it's, is it's really tough it's but, it's hard to i mean pinpoint yeah. but what i always say to guests on my show is that describing yourself in three records is not the same question as what are your favorite records of all time yeah yeah it's like the question is like what's your driving record or what's your warm-up dj record mm. or whatever but i don't know the only way i can i mean you've put me on the spot so I, I, i'm gonna have to tr try and do it off the top of my head you know what help you know what helps is when you i mean i don't know if you are surrounded by your records right now but uh that's what actually what bradley zero was doing is literally just looking at his shelves and just picking <laughs> random records yeah exactly <laughs> throw, <laughs> yeah exactly throw a dart at the wall see what yeah, you hit exactly. um I mean, recently I've been listening a lot to an artist called Mansur Brown, mm -hmm. um, who is a guitarist from the UK. So I think it's good to go with something contemporary, something from now, because, um, you know, otherwise you're thinking of like, what am I all time favorite? No, it's like, let's think about what's what's good now. And, you know, um, every now and again, an instrumentalist comes along that blows your mind. Mm. You know, we're, we're used to being having our minds blown by rappers or singers or producers, you know, but every now and again a specific instrumentalist really touches you and it's i would say it's less frequent that that happens and when it does happen you you just can't get enough of it you know you you really want to hear that person's music evolve and and keep close track of what they're doing and that's my sort of relationship with Mansur brown's music mm. because he's still super super young but i think it's like the greatest compliment um you can give an instrumentalist of any of any instrument when they have their own tone do you know what i mean by mm -hmm. that like as mm -hmm. in you hear one note of a guitar or you hear one note of a sax or you hear one note of an instrument and you instantly know it's that person because they have their own sound they have their own tone and that's certainly true of of mansur brown's playing so um i'm really excited to see what he's he's going to do in the future um And uh, yeah, I, I guess we should pick a track from his current EP. I'll probably go with a tune called Serene. familiar with him what genre is this is this 
uh, new jazz. Well, or? I I think that yeah, he would he would like to not be genre mm. sp- specified, and in a way, this EP that we're playing, you know, that I'm mentioning mm. now. Well, the current EP is like, you know, I, I got to know him from his work with the sort of London jazz scene mm. and playing with a lot of the best players here. But his music is soul music, really. It's like it, he definitely does not want to be cornered into any mm. genre. Mm. And so I think I would describe him as his his sort of genre as Mansur Brown. I like that. I like that. Yeah. He's yeah. He and, and I think that, you know, on this EP, obviously he can he can totally shred and he can like play the most amazing solos or he can go mellow. But this EP is more melodic and he's been doing the production on it as well. So, uh, you know, we'll play this song. I mean, it's not representative of everything that he does, but, you know, it's um, it's a beautiful piece. It's of a music good introduction to the he's a good introduction. And you should definitely if you get a chance to witness him live, that's 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 the real magic there. I love that. Yes. Drop the knowledge, share your knowledge, give us some recommendations. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and who would you choose as a second record? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is yeah. that when people ask me questions like, what are you into at the moment? I literally have to look at my own playlist in oh, my head same. To, from my radio show because it's like, or I have to look at a record box <laughs> no, because it's... It's too it's much. So, I know. <laughs> like when you do it every week for, you know, it's like a, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like the flashing cursor. That's why you yeah. know, it's always better to flick through a, 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 a record bin of stuff and choose from that instead Absolutely. of like, here's a flashing cursor and you can type in anything in the known universe. I mean, that's the, the, the art of, uh, of going back to like vinyl DJing, right? Where this is my selected uh, set and this is it so there are no song requests right yeah. <laughs> well, i tell you what I, I you know what i'll do i'm gonna go with something from a recent conversation from this morning because mm. um this morning i've been talking about and with juan atkins and cybertron Ooh. and about his vision of the future oh, specifically wow. and about his vision of the future in 1981 1983 which obviously at that time was a kind of blade runner style vision of the future which mm. at that time was the most futuristic music that existed apart from Kraftwerk, mm. you know. And, uh, and so what that vision looks like in 2021, you know. And, 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 and through that conversation, just thinking about how easy it is to take for granted records that sort of, you know, move the dial somewhere else, split mm. the atom, I don't know, what the, whatever the phrase is, you know what I mean? But, mm. like... So I think we should play, let's play Model 500 Night Drive. Because, you know, it's still, it makes, it's like an old, it's an old record from how many years ago that that is probably representative of that you know, that dance music I was talking mm. about that was blowing everyone's mind but it still sounds futuristic now and it's also the ultimate driving city driving record you know like um, this just makes me want to drive through the streets of London when they're empty at two in the morning you know well talking about London and the future where do you see uh, the London club culture nightlife after COVID and is there like a sound that's currently developing or has 
been developing just before the lockdowns that you could see something bubbling on the surface this like this is the new direction yes yeah, a really interesting question i think that anyone who thinks they have the definitive answer to how it's going to look after covid mm. is is lying is isn't you know is either not telling the truth or is a bit deluded because i don't think any of us know mm. how it's going to look you know um but when you don't know what something's going to look like it also is a it's a blank a, canvas. An amazing opportunity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a blank canvas. So if you look at it from that positive way and then bring in the element of your second question, which was what's what's the music that's bubbling? Well, music and genres bubble out of scenes, right? Mm. Like there's never really been a time where that hasn't been the case. Like there needs to be some sort of scene. There needs to be some sort of gathering. I'm talking about specialist club music yeah. here like dance music uh, it needs to be a pressure be. cooker you know like something yeah yeah it needs to sometimes there needs to be an environment where people are inspired what they hear and they're inspired to bring other records to the table or it's not it's not necessarily competition mm -hmm. but it's kind of like that shared experience of a scene is what creates creates genres like whether it be any london or worldwide subgenre you want you need spaces you need people to share in that thing otherwise those things don't have context and they don't grow and they don't evolve mm. and there's nothing wrong with music being created in a vacuum or that's not doesn't fit into a scene that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying like that to answer your question like truthfully about what is the sound inverted commas or what is the new movement you know it requires spaces it requires sharing music it requires a physical presence somewhere and of course backed up by all the online stuff we know social media you know message boards and mm. all of that kind of stuff that contribute to a scene of course that's an important part as well the online life around it and i guess you're kind of getting that a little bit with twitch and stuff like that at the moment and online streaming but nothing compares to having those spaces in nightlife and so i think that those two things that you mentioned are connected you know mm. it's um it's going to be interesting to see whether because what i'm not talking about now is massive lineup massive club stuff that's always existed yeah you know yeah. like big headliner filler club that's totally fine that's great that that's going on i'm talking about like more grassroots things that grow from from being small spaces that grow into bigger experiences mm. you know what i mean and so um i mean that's how the jazz scene developed no over the past few years in london i mean it's a huge revival well, yeah, of I, jazz i would argue that that's how all scenes develop mm. whether it be folkloric things like frankie knuckles at the warehouse mm -mm. do you know what i mean mm -mm. or whatever it, I, I wasn't there so it's not my experience and i can't comment on that but i can well imagine that having a space like that or ron hardy or all of these kind of folklore places that we as djs wish we could ex have experienced mm. you know i can imagine that having that i can imagine that the experience would be that going to a place like that every week creates more music like that you know and so the same is true in any genre so all i'm saying is that i'm really excited to see what's going to happen in london because i think that the next generation of people are ready to start mm -hmm. those new things and no one ever goes into the beginning of something knowing exactly what it's going to be you know what i mean yeah like all of those all of those scenes and genres come out of experimentation and just holding nights and seeing where it goes you know and so i guess i've always been a sort of glasses half full person which <laughs> is a blessing in a way <laughs> um and so I think that instead of focusing on the kind of doom and gloom of all London club nights have been shutting down and all this stuff, which was go that kind of chat was going on a long time yeah. before COVID. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Mm, like fabric, it's not, it, you know, yeah, fabric, this and that. And, and, and then you look look through the lens of any city's club history. It's like it's evolution. Absolutely. It has, to, it has to and evolve. Close yeah. down. Especially in nightlife. I mean, <laughs> someone yeah, was saying to me, places one, spring up. Yeah, like a, a one year in, in a club or nightlife is, is like dog years. It represents something like five, six years in normal, in normal years. And I was like, it's true. Yeah, yeah clubs yeah. have a short lifespan, you know, and that's why you have places like Fabric or Berkheim, which become so big and iconic because they just lasted longer than the average club, you know. Um, yeah and they they turn into I think institutions. I've always I've been mm. less interested in clubs themselves and mm. more interested in club nights. Yeah. You know, like I, your club that's nights. that's why I started a mm. like my club night. Yeah, that's why I started a club night. You know, yeah. I did one of the reasons that I started a club night was because I wanted a space to play my vision of music. Another reason was because all of the best clubs that I went to were established club nights. Mm. And also because a lot of the DJs that I looked up to had residencies of some kind, mm. especially in New York, you know, and and also in London. And so I wanted to create a monthly night and I did uh, in 2007 and then did it monthly without missing a single one for 10 years. You know, wherever I was in the world, it didn't matter if I was in Asia or wow. on tour or whatever. I would I would always be back for that first Wednesday or first Sunday or whatever, you know, over the time of the month because there was, in my mind, there was nothing more important than that. Mm. It never made money. It never was a, a profitable thing. It was more about like, this is the foundations of what I do. And then I can go off into the world and, 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 you know, to other stuff. play that music yeah. and that message to other places but this is the core i love that and when you when you create a space like that that people come to every month and you have your regulars and obviously those people evolve and come and go mm. over the space of months and years and whatever it has its own it becomes its own um entity do you know what i mean yeah. it has its own identity outside of you Deviation started about nearly six years ago now at a small club in East London called Gramophone. It was all about sound, all about sort of creating, all about taste level. Yeah, it started by me just wanting to put on my own night, play the music that I love and invite the DJs from around the world that I really respect. I always wanted it to be the right place where I could play my music and sort of represent what I do on the radio, but also what I do as a club DJ and represent what Deviation's all about, really. I see it as like a responsibility, basically, if you're a music person, if you don't see the thing that you like, then create it. And that could apply to a label or a, or a song or a club night. So I just wanted to do the club that I wanted to go to. That was the simple manifesto. It's like create the night that you would want to go to and also crucially create the night that you can't just pass on like you had to be there. That's that's what that what Era Arkan did no with trash every Monday for 10 years. He I think he only missed one night. Uh, and and, and yeah. going back to what you just said it's like it's your identity, it's your sound identity but it's also who you are and then you kind of export it to other places around the around the world that you become an ambassador really for that culture. Yeah. And I think you know the thing is, is that when you're doing something, you don't think, okay, this is something I'm now going to do for 10 years and boom, boom, boom. You don't, you don't also sometimes have this sort of eagle view to kind of zoom above it and look down at what you're doing because you're inside it, which is, which is how it should be. It's authentic when it's like that. But it's only later on 
that you're able to look back with a different perspective. And that's what we're doing this year. So, you know, despite the fact that I'm always um, quite current minded with music mm. and I'm always looking forward and I'm not really a retro person at all. Like I don't I'm not heavily into looking back. But <laughs> unlike me, I'm the, I'm, I look a lot <laughs> backwards i don't i don't yeah. mean in, i no, don't mean no, no, in terms I get of music it. No. by the way i, yeah. I mean i'm i'm gonna play yeah. a 1976 record just as much as i am a yeah. 1995 or a nine or yeah. a 2021 record i mean more in terms of like with with the work that we've been doing with the club we were always focused on the next session yeah. not thinking hey look at all this stuff that we've done but there's something interesting about the transient nature of club nights like the fact that it's not like making an album that sits on a shelf. It's like making an experience which is gone when it's finished, mm. you know. Mm. But people hold that memory with them or it influences a producer to go off and make a tune or maybe a couple get together that night or whatever. you never know what's mm. going to happen mm. in those kind of moments, right? But this year we're releasing a record, uh, sorry, a compilation of records called um, Deviation Classic. Mm. And we're going to do a book as well of the images because, you know, at, at one point I thought, ah, is it too navel gazing to kind of do a book or, a, you know, yeah. look back. But in actual fact, it's like, no, that contribution to club culture is it's very, important. very important yeah. because no one tells you when you're going to be handed the baton. Mm. You know what I mean? It just happens one day and you're like, okay, it's my turn now to do a club night. Mm. And that brings it back really to your to your original question, which is like, I'm so I'm so excited and happy to see who will be taking the baton next. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't mean it in the sense that that's over for me. It's like, but oh, everything has a chapter of... Yeah. Everything, yeah, everything has, has a lifespan, life. right? And exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm just looking forward to seeing who's going to have the confidence in an instant gratification yeah, it's world super exciting. to do something long-term. Yeah, I mean, we're all just looking yeah, around the corner what's what's happening next, and be it in a London or New York or Los Angeles, wherever. There's something, there's, yeah. there's a new generation. I mean, can you imagine being 18 or 20 years old right now during the lockdown? I mean, the energy that, that the, and frustration, obviously, that's probably building up, there's going to be a release eventually, and something will come out of it. And as you said, you're just going to throw ideas at the wall and see what sticks you know and and yeah you know people moved out of the cities but there's there's still a new generation growing into it so hopefully we're gonna have a renaissance of culture coming very soon no it's happening speaking. man for sure yeah, i can already yeah. feel it i can yeah, already feel yeah. it and and you know this generation are going to be the one that saves us because you know their attitude to everything everything from art culture you know politics gender orientation sexuality you mm -hmm. know it's like mm -hmm. they're looking at the the people general you know few generations above them and being mm -hmm. like what are you talking about that was a thing like they're not you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it's like a it's so exciting to see that i'm so happy uh, we're to see midst that, of it you know? we're midst of a big cultural change you know and it's it's funny because i mean i guess you and i are similar ages and when we were looking back okay, what were the exciting decades for us? You know, I mean, 80s, 70s, you know, like, oh, or 60s. Why wasn't I part of it? We are midst of it right now, you know, and that's what's so exciting. Uh, and, and in 10, 20 years, you'll look back and you're like, oh, yeah, there was something happening. And there is, I mean, look, how many of the old gods are getting, so to say, cancelled right now? You know, it's literally the, the, the 21st century is saying goodbye to the 20th century and, and of the gatekeepers and, and on many levels. I think it's super interesting because the rules are redefining right now. Oh man, I mean, I've, you know, 
the 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 idea of gatekeepers going away in every creative zone is an exciting prospect yeah. and i think that's been happening steadily but i'm definitely of the mindset that we're we're always in it it's always happening it's constantly upgrading mm, mm. you know and right now the world's going through a massive upgrade and whenever you know whether it's physically or whether it's consciousness or any sort of upgrade is also difficult you know there's moments of pain within that mm. you know what i mean but ultimately the upgrade that's going on right now i couldn't agree with you more in terms of the fact that the page turn that is about to happen in combination with the energy that's about to be released mm. you know i think about it all the time because i think you know as you get older a year is feels like a less amount of time yeah. when you're in your when you're in your late teens a year is quite a long amount of time you know what i mean mm. and it's also a crucial and golden year that you've lost you know i use the word lost in inverted commas because obviously you've never really yeah, lost anything yeah, but yeah. in terms of like the experience of you know going out and and as you said letting that energy out and that year has been restricted and so watching what happens it's almost like a huge page turn for culture mm. and creativity and you know i think that the sympathy that i have for people who are starting out on that journey is really the expectation of instant gratification that we all are used to now from you know mm. all the obvious places and i think that actually i'm excited to see some people rejecting that idea and and going in and starting club nights where maybe 50 people turn up on the first one you know yeah and seeing where that goes um because it's not really for me to say where nightlife is going to head it's for the next generation of nightlife creators Absolutely. to do that i'm not saying that i'm no longer going to be involved in it i'm going to be doing what's right for me but you know london has always always been at the absolute cutting edge of you know creativity in terms of nightlife absolutely. And i've got absolutely. absolutely i've got no doubt that that's going to continue i concur <laughs> could you reveal already a couple of tracks from the upcoming compilation or one track that we could play <laughs> yeah i can tell you them all if you want mm. right? i mean please <laughs> the vinyl track listing and the and the cd and online track listing are all different for different reasons one being licensing the other being on purpose you know but anyway is the licensing uh, on the vinyl, easier on vinyl than online digital no it, it depends it depends like so some people don't want their records pressed on vinyl and so other people don't want them on the digital and vice versa and mm. Anyway, it's good because it makes all of the formats slightly exclusive in a way. Like They're that. all slightly yeah. different. Um, so we have the Morris Fulton remix of Love Endeavor, Alice Smith, which is one of our anthems, really. And probably, you know how different DJs kind of like own certain records because <laughs> they play them so much. Yeah. It's almost like that's one of mine. Because it's, it's, I think maybe there's a combination of people loving it and also doing a slight eye roll when they hear me play it again because <laughs> they're like, really, dude? Nah, but it's a classic. It's like a, a classic warm up. And, and I should sort of like before I get into this track listing I should tell you that the whole point of this compilation relates to the conversation that we were just having before mm. about club spaces right mm -hmm. because what I wanted to do with this compilation was not make a compilation of like 20 hot tunes that I'm loving right now or 20 massive tunes that are kind of DJ hits from across genres that is going to be a bestseller instantly or I don't know that's a bad example but mm. you know what I mean mm. like I didn't want to mm. what I wanted to do was celebrate exactly what you just spoke about which is the fact that when you create a space that's specific to you and your taste and your crowd and your music what comes out of that are hits but they're hits for your crowd yeah. and yeah. those hits and classics mm. aren't necessarily known or big outside of the club obviously some of them are right 
So some some of them are going to cross into other scenes and some of them are going to go on to be big tunes elsewhere. But some of them might be B-sides, some of them might be album cuts, some of them might be records that aren't that well known. But the point is, is that every single record that's on this compilation came out of my resident set. So before you have the guest, you know, I'd always play the warm up from the moment the doors open all the way until the guest comes on and then I'd usually play in between the guests or do a set. But aren't warm warm ups the most interesting for yourself? I love playing warm ups. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Warm up sets are the test of being able to really DJ. That sounds really pretentious, yeah. but it's actually fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you know, warming up is not about you you know, if you press your foot on the gas too early, then you're gonna send people away. If you keep it mellow for too long people are going to be like what's the you know yeah. it's like it's it's a it's, it's a very it's fine line kind of a science yeah, I, yeah it's a science yeah yeah it's basically a science well the point being is that these this 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 compilation is is perfectly um the reason i'm talking about it is because it relates 100 percent to your question before about mm. scenes and nights and residencies do you know what i mean and and so this this is basically um a, a collection of tunes that became massive at the club but not because of me they were because of me because i was playing them but they're kind of chosen by the crowd by the crowd yeah i love you that know, because they're the ones that got the biggest reaction i love that. or the ones that i felt like i should play another week on week and so a lot of these songs you know yeah sure i haven't played them every week for every month for 10 years but i have gone through periods where you would hear it every month as one of our kind of current classics. Maybe you should put a little subheading there, chosen by the crowd. Well, yeah, I have mentioned that in the in the liner notes. Though several of the tracks went on to become huge hits, all of them became Deviation's regular playlist and are now considered to be part of the Deviation DNA. These tracks are testament to how the best club residencies can hone and shape their own identity where reactions from the dance floor can influence which tracks make it on into the resident sets each month and become future classics and how a single tune can conjure sorry how a single tune can conjure the nostalgia of an era venue place and time. And it's it's true each one of these songs represents an era of deviation mm. where I can just remember the first time I played it or you know a particular moment where someone rewound it or you know the crowd loving it and so you know i love the idea that spaces and all all of all nights that we can think of from the most famous like paradise garage i'm sure that there were anthems there it's not about the space itself it's about the community that's inside the space that helps you bring you back to that that moment when you the dj and everybody involved it was you and them against the world. And we survived together. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there were anthems at Hacienda. Um, I'm sure I know that there were anthems at Metalheads. I know that there were anthems at certain places that become the kind of resident tunes, you know? And so that's, we just wanted to reflect that. And the great thing about the fact that, you know, licensing music on major labels is quite tough for independence means meant that i just concentrated a hundred percent on indie music and and when you do that you realize that actually you're concentrating on music that was created in the lifespan of the club itself so with the exception of a couple of tunes all of these records were made during the time of the club so that they would kind of like arrive on my desk and i'd look forward to I playing love it. Them, you know that week 
So the track, you want to know the tracks on there? Yeah, or pick pick uh, three tracks that you want me to play. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe you should pick. I'll okay. send you the track listing. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, pretty, it's, pre- it's pretty heavy. I mean, we've got Alice Smith, Love Endeavor. You should definitely play that, but yeah. wait till the vocal bit comes in. Um, maybe the Morris Fulton remix. And that, you know what? That was my always my secret weapon of going from sort of like second gear into third gear. like those ones where you're warming up it's like the doors open at nine it's sort of 10 30 there's enough people on the dance floor to sort of start taking it up a level now but it's kind of half full you don't want to overdo it but you want to kind of say okay we're starting we you know let's go that that's the record it's like just putting your foot on the gas just just sort of touching the pedal and kind of like it's it's a song that always i find gets people to come to the dance floor as well um so yeah alice smith love endeavor is a great record um there's music by carl craig on there sandstorms There's little silver. Lean forward. Martin Vancouver. Vancouver. Joy Orbison, Hyph Mango, which was a massive tune everywhere, but was also big for us. and someone someone of the listeners can win a record (laughs) yeah you know what this is actually lottery worthy because um (laughs) it's definitely not going to be a money maker in terms of the record in terms of the in terms of the vinyl side because you know what i'm like i'm like perfectionist right so i basically did this thing where i found every single box set vinyl that i owned which is a lot how many records do you own 
and I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one of those guys that has all my records on Discogs. That's just painful to even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God digital music came in when it did. Otherwise, I'd have to buy a separate house. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know some people that had to do that that are like 10 years older than me or whatever. You know, yeah. like it would have needed its own place. But yeah. I think that, you know, in a way, some... I still buy a lot of records, um, but, you know, not as many as before. I don't know, at least... 10 15,000 something like that i don't know that's guesswork but the digital tracks obviously makes life so much easier and it's cheaper in the in, instead of buying like for 10 quid or 15 quid uh, 20 quid a record every day or every week but um how much time do you spend on researching music music week do you get send a lot of stuff that you just go through or you actually go specifically dig at a certain record store or online on juno oh, or something that's yeah, that's that's really my main job. I mean, I think that people know me for doing a lot yeah. of different things, but my weekly routine is the radio, and the radio requires two days. I spend two days of every five, every five working days in the week, if you want to put it that way. Two of those is 100% listening to new music. Wow. Is it stuff that's sent to the so, BBC, or, or is it just you anywhere? It's it's, it's everything, yeah. Uh -huh. There's all there's loads of sources. There's basically... Um, you know, I have various different ways that people send me music. Mm. There's a lot that comes direct from artists and direct from producers and studios and, and stuff. And, and I, I've always had those relationships for since the beginning, you know. So um, often a lot of music is coming direct. And then there's the music from labels and what we call radio pluggers and people whose job it is to send you music. And then there's your own search. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Then there's people know my kind of music address to send me music to. And then there are other services like Send Music and SoundCloud and various places mm. that I have to check as well. And then that's the sort of incoming fire. And then the outgoing sort of me searching for stuff is, you know, Sounds of the Universe, Soul Jazz, Vonica, Rush Hour Records. Shout out to Soul Jazz. Cat. Love Soul Jazz. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I always, always shout out Soul Jazz. They're called Sounds of the Universe now. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. them as Soul Jazz because yeah. of that's where I grew up buying records. And, yeah. you know, they were always um, amazing to me. <laughs> Very good. Uh, from literally being from being like thirteen, I used to go in there. Uh, they're amazing. You know, I love and, I um, love knowledgeable people behind the uh, counter, uh, where you can just literally have a conversation. One yeah. better thing than knowledgeable people behind the counter is knowledgeable people behind the counter that are really kind and welcoming yes. to everyone. Yes. Not just the informed. Yes. Because a lot of record shops when I was a kid, I'd go to and basically you'd have to kind of be you know they were quite intimidating places if you weren't um when you're a kid yeah. and you don't know what you're talking about but like in soul jazz they were the kind of opposite of that you could go in there and say who's pharaoh sanders or <laughs> yeah. like you know you could ask the most basic questions about music or whatever and they would just say not snobby away yeah go yeah. and check that section over mm -hmm. there or, or you might you might like this or whatever and um yeah so so shout out to 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 soul jazz sons of the universe because they've always been amazing and yeah and likewise i really rate rush hour in amsterdam i think it's an amazing record shop Absolutely. and um and i still order you know from clone and hard wax and and i still do those rounds as well mm. so i i still go record shopping effectively even though some of it's not physical anymore i'm mm. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that i don't <laughs> i don't always have the time to do that so i do some of it online but yeah. i try and get into record stores when i travel i remember when we when we opened the children firehouse in london and you know we have the record collection and, and you know the, and the macintosh and, and stuff in the buy area 
<laughs> just walked into Soul Jazz and I had like basically unlimited budget just to fill up <laughs> the crates. So I spent hours in Soul Jazz and just buying, I don't know how much worth, but it was like basically the whole crate at Chilton. And uh, they just uh, was so sweet and gave me like six, seven bags of the, you know, those soldiers canvas bags that, you know, they sell in the store. <laughs> and they just gave them to me. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I just walked out with I don't know, hundreds of records in one shopping. Listen, man, I hope I hope when you have moments like that in your life, no matter how successful you get and what, however, you know, experienced you get, that you still pinch yourself as and, and the yeah. little kid can in you can remind you that you've got the best job in the world because that let's face it like going yeah. to going to a record shop with a blank checkbook <laughs> that's a pretty good job it to have right? you've done all right if yeah. you know actually shout out to rory <laughs> phillips i took him with me a couple of times i was like rory i need your hands and your knowledge come with me we literally would read yeah. so all the record stores and phonica and so forth yeah but then now, of course, there's the online search as well. And then there's, you know, stuff on Spotify and stuff that you're finding. So, I mean, to answer your question, it's like really, it's much more complicated than it used to be mm. to cast the net as wide as possible. And it's something I do every day, every, every, sorry, every week for two days of every week. And, and, and it's actually more than two days because obviously you're doing, you're listening to stuff uh, every day time, yeah. when people send you bits and pieces, people are sending you stuff via WhatsApp and this, that and third. So it's like, um, that I would say is takes up the majority of my time. And I'm glad that it does because it keeps me sharp on music. I think if I didn't have that weekly responsibility, then, you know, I'd end up referencing music from a few years back or from a couple of months ago or whatever, but it keeps me very much in the present. I like the philosophy of being in the present or being present to what is mm. in music now, you know, and um, and so I guess what people don't realise that listen to the radio is that in order to get the two hours of gems, you have to wade through a lot of things that aren't mm. that good, you know, and so you spend a lot of time listening to music, which is not right you know absolutely um, i mean i spent if you want to yeah. get 200 tracks you have to go through at least 2000 that's like my ratio when i would tell people when it comes to sound design for sure yeah might even be might even be more, <laughs> more yeah so you're going to give one of these away are we actually going to give one of these away Please? because i haven't given any of these away because they like well we don't um, have to but we can if you would like no no uh, what i was going to say is like <laughs> i went through every box set that i had yeah, right yeah and and tried to work out which one I liked. And I, I really didn't like that many of them, you know, because yeah. you're a record collector. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's easier just to have a 12-inch, but I found this one that I absolutely love, and I showed it to the guy I was working with on it, and he said, well, let's just go and find who made it. And then when we found out, he was like, yeah, trust you to pick the most expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that, and the, <laughs> trust you to pick the one that, would you know, is, is going to be a lost leader. And we and I was like, listen, this is this is more of a keepsake thing for me than anything else. And also, you know, seeing as we are sort of nerding out about records and early record buying experiences, yeah. apologies to anyone listening to this that's just like, what are they on about? But, <laughs> but, but, but no, in when I was a teenager, like, you know, I loved these compilations called like Master Cuts and various mm. other compilations that were like basically a bunch of 12 inches that you want. And for just to be um, clear to anyone listening that's like not into records, totally all good. Just want to explain the difference between what an album track sounds like, that is to say five or six or maybe 10 songs cut on one side of vinyl versus a 12 inch. A 12 inch record is much louder. It's often cut at 45. And that's what DJs want basically when you're playing out. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, I've cut this album all as 12s. Oh, wow. Basically. So so the idea of it is that you're not buying 
one of those annoying albums that got that's got like 10 tracks on a you site can actually you can't play really it. use I, for for sort of djs yeah. that don't have these records i'm basically wanting it to be a useful tool I so love for that. people that are collectors and want to kind of like yeah i mean like for collectors obviously it's like you don't have to be a dj to love having this on vinyl mm. for collectors it's cut in a in, and mastered in a way that you can just enjoy it at home but it's also practical so you can take whichever one of these 12s you want out and a lot of these records weren't available on 12 inch really or are kind of holy grail 12 inches that you can't get anymore so especially things like Malaline Forward and Alice Smith Love Endeavour and stuff like that it's kind of near on impossible to get those on vinyl so this is a tool aimed at the 16 18 20 year old me that's buying records and is is going to find it a, a useful DJ tool as well. Yeah, the 12 inch. That's when it comes to these compilations. I agree. It's, it's it's great to have them, but you can't actually use them. Well, you can technically, but it's not really DJ friendly uh, when it comes to actually playing those. So or seven inch. Yeah. I guess. If if you don't have a turntable, yeah. this is also available on like obviously Spotify and CD. And yeah. The CD mix is even different from the Spotify mix and everything. But the the vinyl comes with this like collection of photos. When we're going through the photos, it's like it made me realize that this thing is basically a time capsule mm. and inside we listed everyone that's ever played at the club and as i look at it i've kind of have this contentment of realizing that pretty much everyone that i'd ever wanted to play i've booked you know what i mean yeah and i'm sure that there's a few that i haven't but you know it's um it's beautiful to see all these names together there's too many to read out here but <laughs> yeah so why don't you do that why don't you give give one of these away we will <laughs> i don't know what how how do you do it We'll figure it out. <laughs> Let me think about it, but we'll definitely... Because I'm not giving any of these away. <laughs> you can have a CD. <laughs> <laughs> we give the Spotify Just code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, uh, another another job of yours is being the music director at Louis Vuitton with uh, your friend Virgil Abloh. So first of all, congratulations for, to, the, to the job. Thank you. How much, uh, what's your process? Do you create like audio mood boards or, or is it like a constant creative exchange going on? I mean, obviously, you guys worked before, I think, the Watch the Throne, Kanye's and Jay-Z's tour, right? How, how did this come about? What was the development? And how do you go on when it comes to a new show soundtrack? I mean, um, what was the question? Do we do I make audio <laughs> mood boards? Yeah, do you create audio mood boards for, for a show? Or how yeah, do you... always, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's hard to sort of like you know i'm totally willing to pull the curtain back on the process and you know virgil um is all about sharing the cheat codes as he says for for how to do things and and and, and i'm totally in the same camp with that you know it's all about sharing the knowledge mm. of how this stuff happens and i think but the, the 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 honest answer is both you know the creative conversation is constantly happening right up until the moment where the boys walk out you know, mm. right up until the minute where we start to film or, you know, one of the most amazing things about working with someone as brilliant as him is the fact that we're also not afraid to totally rip up the piece of paper and start again if that's right creatively mm. as well. Mm. You know what I mean? We have an, uh, there's no, a non-attachment to ideas, even if they're the greatest ideas, because they'll come around again for future things that we're doing. So the the creative process is always happening and there's always a back and forth. And yeah, once I have an idea of the theme, the collection, the set, you know, and various other elements that are in play between the sort of amazing cast of people that work on those different elements, then a, then a mood board just automatically starts to form in my mind. It's just, it's just, it just happens. Like it's just you don't realize you're walking around with this um 
brain full of music you know, you know? Mm. but um mm-hmm. as soon as you, as soon as you kind of have a few threads of the sort of spider web then then it all starts to all starts to emerge you know in your mind and, and so to answer your question yeah I, I totally work on musical mood boards all the time but usually based on there's always a jump off point there's always an inspiration point there's always a theme and that rabbit hole usually leads you to where you need to be Have you ever pushed a song or an artist where you're like, no, we need to have this in the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate in the sense that I've never had to really, you know, I, I work with people who my job is to align our visions on music, you know, mm. um, not fight. But I mean, certainly I've I've had loads of examples where I've been very passionate about something being included because I've felt that that's what's right. But I haven't, to answer your question, been in in situations where there's a lot of pushback on that. Mm, you know, it's mm. like I'm, you know, in all in all the creative work that I do that's collaborative, I I try and do it as a collaboration and try and create what's right in collaboration with that person or that company or that vision. You know, and so um, when that's done right, you don't you don't often have to kind of cross those bridges. But I I, I definitely am very passionate about music. Once I have a strong strong feeling that it should it should be involved but with that said i also love opinion you know i love the context of seeing it through someone else's eyes or hearing it through someone else's ears you know or 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 seeing how other ideas can can shape which road you are driving down because sometimes you can get so stuck on driving a different a particular route that someone can say oh, okay what about this and then it makes you think oh yeah and then that tumbles you into it's a very hard process to explain mm but it's kind of like it's um it's like reading the room it's like uh reading the room in a dj set it's like knowing why a certain record should follow a certain record when you're doing a radio show it's knowing why playing this song at 9:30 p.m. is inappropriate but playing this one is perfect mm-hmm. you know all of these kind of very sort of non-exact but also quite precise sciences or a better way of saying it is a very specific science that can only come from experience but Absolutely. it's quite hard to explain yeah, yeah that's what you're doing you know and it and it does come with experience and it also comes with instinct if you're a musical person and you have musicality rhythm understanding of the effect of music and all the rest of it then you can usually find the perfect actor for the perfect scene if that makes sense yeah was there a, like a moment working with virtual at louis vuitton that you cherish the most i cherish all of them i This is not a cop-out answer, but honestly, mm. the process that working with the teams around Virgil, you know, whether it be PlayLab, whether it be Be Good, whether it be uh, different creative people that come in, Mafuz, um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And that's always been the case with Virgil, whether it be him introducing me to Jound or introducing me to his friends or like... Virgil is a, a mastermind connector of people um, and a connector of great people who all have a um, vital contribution to the conversation. And so, you know, all of those moments of collaboration, it's not like I just talk only about music. You know, I'm talking to people that are involved in making the film, styling the clothes, you know, mm. designing the set. Say so shout out to um, Christine and, and also Ibrahim and, and like, you know, just, just, everyone that's contributed to those experiences are just as important as any other part of it, you know? Mm. And, um, and so it's really the opportunity to collaborate at that level. It's definitely one of the most high pressure things, not to do with the expectation element, um, because we're kind of used to 
expecting the best from ourselves. It's to do with the time frame. The time frame that you have available is often a ticking clock that creates pressure. So working with people that know how to handle that pressure and to be able to surf that wave and to be able to deliver is a blessing to be able to create at that level, you know. And so full compliments to him and, and everyone that I work with. I mean, the moments that we've done, I think one of my favorite was the orchestra in the square in Place Dauphine in, in Paris, because, you know, as soon as Virgil showed me the the setting, you know, the backdrop, which was basically a, a, a we took over a, a real Parisian square um, with the cafes and everything. And uh, as, as soon as I saw it and, and I knew it was summer, we were like, OK, it has to be. It has to be strings, it has to be orchestral, it has to have that kind of texture to it. And then I sort of, from there, pretty much DJ'd an orchestra set. So worked on arrangements of music by Arca, Arthur Verakai, um, Max Richter, Slum Village. Um, we even did Ghetto Coyote, we did uh, Tyler's mm -hmm. record had just come out, we did Igor's theme as the finale, like arranged by strings, but I knew that I kind of wanted it to knock like the record, I wanted mm -hmm. it to have that feeling, so I got Richard Spaven in on drums, who I knew could replicate a lot of the drum patterns, and um, you know, we had a bass playing that kind of was like sub-bass, you know, it was, it was, it was mm -hmm. a very special um, show. And it was one that we walked away with. I walked away from that very proud. The important thing to note about the difference between the work at, at Louis Vuitton Men's is, is the fact that we always use live music for that. You know, on other shows, it'll be like a, something I'm doing on Pro Tools or Ableton or pre-recorded. But for Louis Vuitton Men's, it's always live music. And we've done Bad, Bad, Not Good, Dev Hines, Blood Orange, um, Lauren Hill, you know, Cybertron Model 500, as I just mentioned, which is pretty amazing, really. Um, you know, London jazz musicians like Mansa Brown, who I mentioned, and Yusef Days and Rocco Palladino, you know, um, all the way through to doing an orchestra, as I said. Probably in terms of the actual result, one of the pieces of work I'm most proud of, which is um, the most recent film that we made this January, just gone, featuring Saul Williams and Yasin Bey. All great work, for sure. I, lo I love the last the last video, I guess, or show that you just mentioned with Yasin Bey and Saul Williams. That was pretty intense, might be the right word, but in a positive way, in a beautiful way. Where, how did this come about? Like, Is that the initial idea coming from Virgil, or you like... Why don't we have, or did you come say, let's have Yasin, I mean, must have, uh, be part of this? Oh, man, it's like, a, it's it's not a one-sentence answer to that, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a conversation that evolves through the creative, through the mood board, through the, through the spec, working mm. on everything, and then we finally get to who the best people are. Obviously, that one, as you can well imagine, there were a few COVID challenges yeah. um, around travel and, and booking and all the rest of it. So there was those hurdles to jump as well. But, mm. um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a conversation that 
that evolves through the creative and there are a couple of key elements that 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 pointed me in the direction of knowing that you know certainly Saul Williams was the perfect person to open and and um articulate you know some of the references that we had Yasin Bey's finale was was something that was very very special as well I mean the whole thing yeah incredible Kai's words in the middle like the whole the way it all came together also I have to say shout out to Moved by the Motion who, and Josh who did all the choreography on that and Asma who scored the music um, and uh, there's too many names to mention yeah. but it was a to, 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 you know the honest answer is that it's truly a collective a collective um, effort and, um, and one of the one of the collaborations I think that's come out with I think you know the bar was definitely raised by that video even if I do say so myself <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. it's like I'm happy to say that <laughs> it was it was it was special work I think yeah it was in this white wilderness the construct of purity is sullied with every step the evidence I carry the hidden sun in every breath. My blackest self, whose widest death is luxury. I am no stranger anymore. The world is love to me. The snow will melt. The heights will thaw. And make it up to me. Well, going back to you and uh, to go slightly more intimate, uh, what's your go-to falling in love or heartbreak song? I would say Donny Hathaway from the live album, uh, Live at the Bitter End. It's recorded at a venue called The Bitter End. And um, the track is I'll Love You More Than You'll Ever Know. If I ever leave you Say I told you so And if I ever hurt you You know I hurt myself as well Is that any way for a man to carry on? Do you think I want my loved one gone? Said I love you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but play the live version, please. I will. And uh, have you ever been to those vinyl bars in Japan? Yes, you know, I like love. The ones, like, I love. Bar Martha yeah, and, yeah, yeah. JBS. Your grandfather and, yeah, yeah. and Ginza bar music. Well, yeah, love, love, love. The best. Well, I went to Bar Martha once, mm. and um, and you know it's quite strict in there. Mm. And it's like, like two people, five and people, and you know, like the no, tiny. No, 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 that's bigger. Barmouth, no, no, that's JBS, I think you're thinking of. Uh. Bar, Barmouth is a bit bigger. It's got a massive whiskey kind of selection, uh. and they have a huge record collection, and the turntables are kind of like sunk into like yes. a tree or something. Yeah. It's like, it's that kind of vibe. They, <laughs> they have a sign as you go in that says, we only use RCA valves or something like that, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um, 
Anyway, I was in there one time and, and the guy was playing the Donny Hathaway live album. And I was like, oh, amazing. I got a bit carried away and walked up to him and asked him to play that, this version, this cut from that album. And he just looked at me like I'd given him the worst insult ever. And I realized <laughs> that actually part of the rules, part of the rules is you're not allowed to talk to the people playing the record. You're not allowed to talk to the person playing the tunes. And, um, and so oh, you're not allowed to request records. Song but he requests, was playing like... Yeah the one song that you wouldn't that doesn't that annoy you when you hear people playing the album but they're playing the wrong song from the album <laughs> in your opinion and i just wanted to yeah that sorry it just like, made me you're like would you mind moving let me show you how this works <laughs> yeah exactly come on bro well uh, after the heartbreak you're out and about in london and you're feeling super sexy what's the sexiest song what's the sexiest song mm. i think the sexiest song is Say Yes by Floetry. All you gotta do is say yes. All you gotta do is say yes. Don't deny what you feel. Let me undress you, babe. Open up your mind. Just rest. I'm about to let you know you make me so. All you gotta do is say yes. Don't deny what you feel, baby, and dress you, babe. Open up your mind and just rest. I'm about to let you know you make me so, 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 mm. so, 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 Why? Why? Because I love to hear songs about that subject through the female lens. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's like, an un, you know, a never-ending list of records by anyone from teddy pendergrass to you know i don't know you you name it all the way yeah, through to yeah, d'angelo yeah, whatever yeah. For, about of of men singing about that absolutely but i enjoy you know you know there's a song by janet jackson that's like that there's a song there's a few but i think that you know that's that's an important part element for me is the female lens um and also you know in terms of this record but also it's just an incredible tune um it's a classic say yes floetry well benji b to wrap up our little chat um if your life would be a movie what song would play in the end credits oh boy <laughs> no pressure then no pressure <laughs> it could be anything <laughs> i mean what i'd like it to be i don't know it, there's two questions there what's what's appropriate to play at the end of your <laughs> thing and what you'd like it to be yeah. what i would like it man what i'd what i'd like it to be is um John Coltrane, A Love Supreme, mm -hmm. Act Two, which I think is called Resolution, which is my favorite movement from that record. And is it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. There's no words for that record. Well, it's just the ultimate. I'll, 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 give, yeah. you, I'll give you Coltrane. A Love Supreme Part, <laughs> a Love Supreme Part Two, Resolution. Oh, Benji, it's been a real pleasure. Man, I've really enjoyed this chat. It's kind of like, it's been a, yeah, it's been a, it's been good to meet you. Likewise. Um, over the podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. airwaves. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of appropriate for both of us. Do you do radio as well? Uh, yeah. You do radio as well? I, I had a little show on Dublab while I was in LA, uh, and I'm just waiting for my invitation to the BBC, really. I did Monocle Radio a couple of times. <laughs> cool. It's amazing, isn't it, how, like, it's the format that I still love. I, I, I love people it. People always like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, bro. Nice radio show. Can you send me a Spotify play? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm a bit like, yeah, I can, but it's also not, it's, it, it's not the same. No. I mean, people ask me a lot. It's great. Yeah. But it's a different great. It's, it's different because it goes into your ear. You have the key element with radio in comparison to the video format, right? It's... You have you have to use your imagination, and that's what makes it so more. And same with podcasts, that's what makes it so much more powerful because it's like reading a book. You, you, reading a book and watching the movie are two different things, right? So when I get asked, "Are you going to turn Ariana into a video series?" and so I mean, definitely. I mean, the idea is to, of course, have a visual element to it, but not this. I wouldn't try to translate our conversation into a video format it wouldn't come across as interesting it's i mean how many youtube inter uh, internet video series uh, interviews have you seen over the years it's pretty much the same format and not that exciting and not that engaging because you, you're just looking at people with two mics in front of them what's more interesting is to hear them go into your brain into your soul and using your own imagination with alongside with it mm. What do you think? So what's the what's the end credits in your movie? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Um, well, first of all, do you agree or do you disagree? With which element? Uh, the fact that, that the, every the, medium it, has its benefits. Exactly. Like, as in listening to something is... Yeah, yeah, totally. A friend of mine once said the medium is the message. And I thought, you know Ooh, what? That is a really good... Yes. That's really good. Because it's true that the medium can inform the message. And so the way that you engage with an audio podcast is not the same as if you're watching something. I would say it's probably, if you're watching something, attention spans often less, you know, if mm. you're listening to something. Yes. Um, but it depends, doesn't it? It's like, it's the same thing with music, right? Radio edits are only three and a half minutes because that's the amount of time that fit on a seven inch record. And then we're still making them three and a half minutes, but why? Well, it's because it's familiarity. So the medium is sort of the message with that. It's kind of like, actually records are getting shorter but then you know is like albums exist because you could get five tracks on e either side of a of an lp for, for for an example obviously you can get more than that but you know what i mean like but actually on spotify or apple or tidal or whatever you could make an album of 50 tunes if you want you know but but we still have the familiarity of loving an album that's 10 to 12 songs because that's what we know you know mm. so it's the mead the format does inform how we relate to music and how we relate to audio or how we relate to interviews i i totally agree with that yeah that's a nice way of looking at it is this like the nerdiest chat is this i the, love like, it is I this love interesting it. This <laughs> yeah, stuff? is this like the nerdiest <laughs> chat ever i'm like people switch no it's... if you made it this far <laughs> you know kudos to you like <laughs> Shout out to everyone that switched <laughs> off after four minutes. I love it. Let's know now. It's sharing <laughs> like the, the knowledge. It's, it's like you've, you've pulling the curtain. Yeah, but you've asked me. Did, yeah, 
you're asking the nerdy questions here. You like you've opened the the nerdy chamber of the of the, of the mental filing cabinets. It's like okay, I, I want every listener about, at the beginning of this conversation, and I'm really looking forward to this because again, What's that? that's why I, I want every listener and ourselves, I guess, in the beginning of this yeah. conversation, that I'm really looking forward to this because it's nice for me personally as well to have someone that speaks the same language in a way you know it's nice to ping pong ideas and uh, hearing your experiences because yeah. you know I've, I've, ex I've, I've lived that life in, in a similar way as well so it's it's yeah we can nerd out a little bit <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah uh, i like i like nerding out as long as it's like relatable uplift. Yeah. yeah yeah it's relatable because like what i don't like is kind of like well totally. you know in the days when we used to buy record, it's like, no, come on. But it's you know, like, if you like buying, <laughs> if you like buying vinyl, that's great. If you like list, literally illegally downloading MP3s, that's fine. If you like, you know, um, buying tunes on iTunes, that's great. If you like downloading yeah. WAVs off Beatport, that's great. If you like just having a free Spotify account and listening to music, that's way. However, you access music is fantastic. That's great. Like, don't stop doing that. It's. I don't like the snobbery around Absolutely. around music collectors. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah, mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's so about the experience. <laughs> That's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, man. The music is the music, and and you know we're blessed to have um, really blessed to have carved out any sort of job where you get to interact with and love music every day. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a blessing. What a perfect way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> and here's the thing, the uplifting part of this conversation is definitely going to be the music. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, Benji. Well, well feel, feel free to edit it all down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure you get, get, get your editing tools out because that was a long chat. You Great. might want snappy answers. You just wanted quick one word answers. No, you? no, no. This, I love, boom. no, no, no. That no. would have been a better podcast. No, no, no. no I okay. love, I love. Just no, kidding. no, no, no. <laughs> You know, initially, that was the idea, like 20-minute episodes, because it was straightforward questions and answers. But the more I had the conversation, I'm like, no. Like, for instance, I start with Patty Smith, right? <laughs> and she wanted to talk. I mean, you she know what? When I saw that, <laughs> uh, you said, I got sent the email, would you like to do a podcast? Um, previous, I don't know if they said previous yeah. guests or guests include Patty Smith. They literally got to the S of Smith and I said, yes. <laughs> Pat, you know anything involving Patty Smith? I, I went to see Patty Smith in Hyde Park yeah. two years ago or three years ago in London. From the other end of the hallway, a rhythm was generating. Johnny stood before the great multitude and all their sorrows and all their joys and all their hunger. In him, Johnny extended his hand, filled with love, ready to take on the fucking world. With fucking love. What an absolutely mind-blowing inspiration on the level of like, you know, as prophetic as Gil Scott Heron mm. or anyone as powerful as that. You know, like. Yeah. Her, when you listen to her music and her message, especially if you get to experience it live and listen to her talking in between her songs, it's like, you know what? If the world had listened more to people like Pat Absolutely. Smith, oh my we God. wouldn't be in a lot of the mess that we're in. And she is 
like that in real life. And that's what's so beautiful, magical about just being in her, around her aura and having a very casual and, and beautiful, straightforward conversation. It was great. It was honestly, this woman is magic. <laughs> that's all I can add to that. She's pure magic. I believe it. Yeah. In hindsight, I wish I would have talked also an hour, an hour and a half with her because we could have. Like, she was really talkative and I, I just started. I, I had this concept, like a couple of songs. <laughs> well, maybe for season three or four, we'll re revisit. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Man, you're so welcome. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the chat. Let's see. We... I wonder how many people we started off with and how many people we've left we, we, we are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still there, if you're still there after all the nerd chat, then uh, raise your hand. No, Please I'm just kidding. Send us I've a DM. Any, any, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send us a DM. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, <laughs> tumbleweed. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know what? It is in, it's important always to talk about all of the uh, stepping stones of of culture and and the process that all of us go through in in appreciating you know the things that make us who we are and so you know that's the reality is all of these elements club nights records record shopping really committing yourself like throwing yourself 150% into music is there's not an option b for me do you know what i mean mm. this is my life it's not like i'm like this is not a hobby it's everything to me you know what i mean so it's kind of like that it's important actually sometimes when you ask those questions to think all oh, right how did i get here you know and um yeah so i've enjoyed the chat thanks thanks a lot mm, pleasure is all mine <laughs> well i hope i'm gonna see you on a dance floor very soon if not in a yeah radio man i station. mean we all do let's fingers crossed everyone like it's coming soon it's coming light soon. at the end of the tunnel there is all the best man bye thank you for tuning in this week if you want to listen to the full playlist, visit areweonair.com or our Spotify channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube at areweonair. And a big thank you to my wonderful team at Studio Noi. I'm Armand Nafei and I'll speak to you soon.